This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham, it's a Wednesday. And we are still streaming live on the ESPN app. Number for the show is 844-SAY-ACCN. I'm Mark Packer. Kind of quiet here in the basement. Lugs is taking all his stuff and going to Hawaii. Wes is out in uh, beautiful Cartersville, Georgia. Life is good. Still summertime. And, man, we got a ton of stuff to talk about. Mr. Durham, how are we doing? I'm great, Pat. Great to be with you. Seven uh, representatives of the ACC's national champions will be here today. That's pretty exciting stuff, right? And it'll uh, dot out our three-hour ride here today. And uh, yesterday afternoon, the ACC gave us a talking point, didn't they? Uh, the 355 has now hit. Um, the new schedule model for the 2023 season has been released. So we will get some of your thoughts on that and offer some of ours as we move along the day today as well. Uh, I would go as far to say it wasn't quite the old 10.05 curse, but it was released before lunchtime. <laughs> and uh, when I saw we, we and to be completely transparent, uh, we knew it was coming. We didn't know exactly when it was going to be released. Uh, we had the information, but we were, you know, again, we've been very good. This is show 657 and not one time have we let something slip. But I just had to right. chuckle yesterday uh, about an hour after the show. And I saw this was released and I just shook my head and said, well, I guess we got something to talk about on uh, Wednesday's show. But uh, nevertheless, yep. we, we got had a sense this was coming. And, you know, you, you yep. for the folks at home, fans of whatever school it may be in the ACC, uh, you knew after listening to us and everybody else at Amelia Allen back in May that this was going to be one of the opportunities to change the schedule. We've already seen the Pac-12 be the first to really say, hey, listen, we're getting rid of divisions. Uh, this was debated back and forth. It was not unanimous originally, even when we were in Amelia Allen. I thought it was interesting to hear coaches and athletic directors really kind of differ on whether or not and have really healthy debates about whether or not the ACC should get rid of divisions. But at the end of the day, the 355 is locked and loaded. And for folks, if you don't understand what that means, uh, the three stands for the permanent teams that you're going to play every single year. And the 5-5 or the other 10 teams in the league, basically five and half the time they're going to come to your house. The other time you will go to their house. So in a span literally of four years, in a span of four years, uh, you will see every single team in your league. And, and to me, I thought it was a great idea back in May. I liked the idea in June. And now that it got approved by everybody, off to the races we go for the 2023 season. But I, I like it. I think it's a good fit. I think eight's the right number for the league. Gives flexibility in terms of your non-conference scheduling. Uh, and, and again, down the road we go. But the Pac-12 started with this thing. The ACC's now jump on board. And I think that if you think the ACC will be the last to do it, you will be wrong. There will be others that will jump on board as yep. well. Yeah, I think it uh, I think it holds hands very well, uh, as we talked about in May with the expansion of the college football playoff, which we know is going to happen. The element that the ACC had to address, though, was could they create uh, kind of the unilateral balance? You mentioned the the non-conference games at the end of the year, those season ending in-state rivalries that exist for Georgia Tech, for Florida State, for Kentucky, uh, for Louisville with Kentucky. Um, you know, th those games, Clemson and South Carolina. The other thing, too, is this. 
You also had to take into account that there is still this arrangement with Notre Dame and the rotating piece that it has throughout the ACC. And then there was this last piece that hit us in Maypac that I thought was really important. And that is the fact that they were going to try and maximize their value in terms of revenue as it relates to television. And I tried to process all those things last night when I was looking over these year-to-year sequences, along with the vaunted who got the benefit of the three permanent and who's got a stiffer hill to climb or whatever the case may be. Um, But on the whole, I'm with you on this. I think the 355 is the right time. I think eight is right right now. But I also see a window for nine if they want to get there. But if they ever go to nine, everybody's got to go. And by that, I mean all the conferences that are going to be involved in the CFP have got to agree to the same number. And that's a hard thing. That's a hard room to move. But I would say this. The ACC's got it right for right now. Here's the other thing. And we were just talking about this a moment ago before we went on the air. Remember, this is 23, 24, 25, and 26. It's a four-year plate. It's not a 10-year commitment. It's not the Atlantic and the Coastal for 20. It's, it's four years. Giving themselves some wiggle room to go back and kind of look at it, Mark, I, I think is pretty important. Also giving themselves some wiggle room to, to maybe pause and say, okay, we like this part of it. We didn't like that part. I think that's a smart, smart move by the ACC. Well, I'm going to disagree with you on that. Everybody has to play the same amount of conference games. I, I, you, you do what you have to do. And when, again, if it works for the ACC, great. If it works for the Big 12, mm-hmm. awesome. If it doesn't work for the Big 10, hey, then Big 10, you go figure out what makes sense for you. Uh, right. Quite frankly, I don't care how many league games uh, the SEC or the Pac-12 plays. I mean, you, you know, Greg Sankey's a smart guy. George Kliakov, smart guy. They will figure out what is in their best interest. And down the road we go. Uh, I think more importantly is what's going to happen with the expansion of the college football playoff because I do think it's inevitable and they will get that worked out. There's just too much money at stake. But for the ACC's sake, I think at eight conference games, it gives you the flexibility in your non-conference scheduling because you have to have eight. I'm going to tell you why. Because Notre Dame is still floating. Notre Dame is not a conference member in football. But they've got a relationship with the Atlantic Coast Conference. We're going to basically have, on average, five games between ACC teams and Notre Dame, which is an important non-conference component. And I think when you throw that in, in addition to the ones that you mentioned of the ACC-SEC variety at the end of the season, you've got to have, number one, quality games that your fans care about. And all of those fall under the same category. Any ACC team against Notre Dame is a game you want to see. Any ACC versus SEC game, as especially those at the end of the year, are games you want to see. They're part of your DNA, your fabric. So all of those are critical. So it gives you, if you know those boxes are checked, and if you happen to be right. one of those schools that falls in the category that you got Notre Dame and your arch enemy in the SEC at the end of the year, man, your flexibility of only having two open dates in terms of non-conference opportunities really is important about how you handle it. Do you go heavy? Do you go light? Is it roast beef A&M or do you jump on a top 20 team? I mean, that, that is difficult. So I think that's why eight's got to be the right number for the league. And what works for the ACC might not work for the Big 12 or the Big 10. And that's great. Yeah. Whatever. In a perfect world like that you're living in that, hey, everybody should play nine. That's, you know, not everybody's played the same amount of strength of schedule. And they're never going to. I mean, the SEC, to their credit, is a great football league. Always will be in my lifetime. 
you know, and other leagues go through ebbs and flows. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And I think from the ACC perspective, the decision that was made was a smart one in terms of the short term idea. And more importantly, it gives fans and players the opportunity that you're going to see everybody in your league during your class, meaning freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, you will see everybody You get to go to their house. They come to your house. And what, what's wrong with that? Right. To me, that's a, that's a smart move. Well, I think also the other part about it was, and it was brought up last night on our huddle special that Drew Carter hosted with uh, Eric McClain, E.J. Manuel, and Mark Rick, was, and Eric brought it up, and he's brought it up with you and me before on, on this show, he never played Virginia Tech back. I mean, you know, that just one sequence of Clemson, Virginia Tech, he never got to go to Blacksburg. I mean, that part to me is is one of the things that the ACC accomplishes with this that I think is really, really important uh, the commissioner outlined it as well in his comments. I think I think you've got to get to these venues. You've got to get the full swing here. And that's one thing we heard at Amelia Island in May, and I think it's one thing that's proven as they released this rotation last yesterday. Uh, fans want to see the games. I mean, I, I can't tell you yeah. how often you run into a fan that says, man, I, I've never been to School X. And you're like, well, how's that possible? Well, we haven't mm. played them since uh, 2013, and we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary. So all of this, to me, is a win-win as far as, number one, your television partner. You get quality games because everybody's going to play everybody. Fans get to see it. Players yep. get to see it. So I, mean, I don't know what the downside is other than if you're a fan of a particular school and you say, man, how are we not playing Team X every single year? Now, you'll get into that debate, but you've gotten into that debate before in the past. But at least this way, you can kind of spread the wealth to everybody in your league. And to me, that's a win-win. That's right. Uh, let's give you a look ahead of what's going to happen today on Packer and Durham. We told you we're going to spotlight the seven ACC teams in uh, sports to win national championships. We're going to start that coming up bottom of the hour. Mike Noonan, who's been with us several times before, will be here with Clemson's men's soccer program. Of course, they captured one of the early national championships. Andres Pedroso, the uh, men's tennis coach, University of Virginia, they won the national championship. Uh, he'll be with us at 745. At 8 o'clock, uh, 8.30 rather, Coach Gia will be here, Pack, the Notre Dame fencing coach. One of our favorites, one of our one of our what the best, if not one of the give one of the greatest gifts we've ever gotten for the show is your fencing helmet. Yep, no right? question. And uh, now that Mike Shashevsky has retired, if he wants to take the ownership of being the only Coach K in the league uh, with Natty, you see, he can go there. <laughs> He's got the he has the ability to do that. I mean, no disrespect to Mike Krzyzewski and his fine hound coach, but uh, Coach K at Notre Dame is really now the Coach K in the league. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Todd DeSorbo uh, from Virginia's swimming and diving program will be here at uh, eight forty-five, nine o'clock. Uh, our uh, three guests, nine fifteen, Leilani Nesbeth, uh, Florida State's women's soccer program will be here. Scotty Rose Growney of the uh, women's lacrosse program at North Carolina, 930. And Lori Hennis, who is the terrific national championship coach of NC State's cross-country program, uh, including her daughter, will join us uh, at 945 all this morning on a national championship edition of Packer and Durham, sir. Yeah, we'll take phone calls. we got a big announcement to make in the Power Hour as well. So uh, we got a lot mm -hmm. of stuff to do. And I'm curious to get feedback, too, from the fans 
uh, based on that yeah. schedule because people always love to talk schedules. This is right down your this is in your sweet spot because you're Mister Schedule. Uh, but if fans want to jump in and say yay, nay, like it, don't like it, hey, let it rip. Eight four four say ACCN is the number for the program. Can I just say one thing here before we get to break? Remember when we came out of Amelia Island and we were starting to prospect this whole process? Remember that right before you went to Europe and Italy and all those wonderful places, ports of call in May? And remember, we were starting the the guarantees, the pointing outs. You will, yeah, I think you will not play X, but you will play Y type thing. Yeah. You remember that, right? I do. You remember, do you remember all the Virginia fans that didn't want to play Louisville? Right. Uh, and I, I even remember saying, hey, guess what? I, I think that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> How'd that work out? <laughs> and I, I, by, by the way, I said that with not having any inside information. Believe me, I, I'm not we invited. We had no knowledge of we're, nothing. We're not invited to the meetings. We're just speculating. That's what we are paid to do. Uh, we're paid to actually know stuff, but we, right. we were not invited to the meetings. <laughs> but uh, when I did see the Virginia-Louisville uh, combination, I was just kind of <laughs> nodded and went, yeah, that's uh, about right. That's yeah. about par for the course. Yeah. And then, uh, man, oh, man, did I get some way offline. Uh, I mean, Duke ends up with all three of the schools in the state. I didn't think that would happen for any of them. So there uh, you go. Well, I, I will say this on the surface. The, the one, yeah. there was one matchup that I was very surprised was not locked and loaded. And it, and it did not happen. And I was dead wrong. And that was Miami yeah. and Virginia Tech because they have played right. such great games. And I kept thinking... From a mm-hmm. television person, forget the fans a second, because I'm always the fans guy, but forget the fans a second. From a television perspective, Miami and Virginia right. Tech always is a game that's had some juice. And even when they've had down years, mm-hmm. there's always an edginess about the Hokies and the Canes. And I don't care where that game's played. Yeah. And I've harped on this a trillion times if I said it once on this show. Miami. Florida State, Virginia Tech. Those three teams are critical to the success of the national narrative of this league. They need to be good. Yep. And I was surprised that Miami and Virginia Tech aren't going to see each other on an annual basis. Other than that, I was pretty good with, with what was released yesterday. But that was the only one yeah. that I was like, wow, that's, that's such a huge game that we're not going to see on a consistent basis. But the good news is we're at least going to get it, yeah. but not every single year. Hey, by the way, uh, next month in Charlotte, we'll be able to uh, toast and salute the final year of divisions. We'll touch on that, uh, I'm sure, before the weekends. But uh, when we come back, we will dive into some of these permanents. There are a few interesting notes, too. Feels weird to look ahead to 23 in some respect with 22 on the horizon. But yesterday's news is uh, groundbreaking from an ACC perspective. More Packer and Durham on a Wednesday next. This is the Packer and Durham podcast. Packer and Durham on a Wednesday, 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. That's 844-SAY-ACCN. Uh, celebration of national champions for the conference today on terms of our guests. As I mentioned, the league won seven national championships this year, tied with the Big 12 for the most. The SEC had six, and we will have some type of representation, whether it be coach or player, 
from every mm. single one of the national champions, in addition to all of our scheduled talk announcements and all that cool stuff today on the show. So that's the game plan. All right. Uh, let's kind of do a little uh, skim of the water here on the schedule work from yesterday that the ACC released with the 355 and look at the permanents or primary partners, if we will, for uh, for the schools. And uh, I guess we can kind of go in alphabetical order here. Boston College gets Miami, Pitt, and Syracuse. Uh, Florida State, Georgia Tech, and NC State is the run for Clemson. Duke gets Carolina State and Wake Forest. Florida State gets Clemson, Miami, and Syracuse. Anything about those first four pack? Uh, not really. Uh, uh, you know, this. you mentioned the Duke deal, getting everybody on Tobacco Road, so uh, travel expenses will be down for Nina King, and that's a good news. Um, <laughs> you know, Clemson's, I thought was. I thought that's exactly what Clemson's was going to be. Uh, maybe the Syracuse tie-in with Florida State, but again, you got to spread the wealth here a little bit. And like I said, yep. going to break, the only one that really popped to me that, that I just kind of shook my head a little bit was the whole Miami-Virginia Tech thing. But for the most part, I, I think everybody kind of got what they wished for here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to uh, the next one, Georgia Tech. I was kind of curious to see how this would play out. Would Florida State be in the mix? Turns out it's only Clemson, Louisville, and Florida State, or Louisville and Wake Forest, rather, not Florida State, for Georgia Tech. So Louisville does get Georgia Tech. Also, Miami and Virginia, as we noted in the first segment. And the Canes get BC, FSU, and Louisville. So, no Clemson and no Virginia Tech there, Pac, for uh, for Mario Cristobal's program. Well, like I said, I, I didn't expect Clemson to be a part of that rotation. But given the relationship of Miami and Virginia Tech, even prior to either one of them joining our conference, uh, they played great games, right. the intensity level. Uh, I mean, those are just awesome football games and, and two amazing environments yeah. and everything else. And I'll say it for the hundredth time. They both need to be good for our conference. They both have to be good. And that's a yeah. game, I think, from a television perspective, that's got a little bit more juice in your regular ACC game. Miami, mm-hmm. Virginia Tech, when both of them are really good, it's a game you're going to watch. Yeah. Uh, of, the, of the teams who've been assigned primary opponents, Georgia Tech's primary opponents in 23 23- when it combined 17 and seven last year in the conference. Uh, the Jackets have, uh, and then if you take it over the last three years, their combined conference record of their three primary opponents going into 22, who they start playing in 23, won almost 65% of their conference games. That's, a, that's the highest number among schools uh, in the ACC. So already a school with a tough schedule pack, it won't get any easier in 23. Well, I was going to say, since uh, Jeff Collins took over and trying to make that transition in terms of, hey, let's get into the modern version of college football and see what kind of success. This is an important year for him coming up. He'd be the first one to admit it. Uh, But the schedule is no joke, and it's been no joke every single year he's been the head Mm -hmm. coach. And then you throw in, hey, not only is your non-conference schedule uh, an uphill climb because he's seen Notre Dame. He gets Georgia at the end of the year. He always sees Clemson. I mean – you, you, all of a sudden, immediately you go, well, doggone it, man. It, you know, when do we catch a break? Is there a roast beef A&M anywhere on the right. process and on the property? Not really. Uh, and that is going to be the case, unfortunately, mm. for Jeff moving forward. And that's why, hey, the, the pressure to get good, sometimes that record isn't indicative 
of how much better your program is. And I know that's frustrating for Georgia Tech fans because, hey, at the end of the day, it's all about scoreboard and winning games. I mean, that's why you get paid. you yeah. got to win games. But, man, that schedule is no joke at Georgia Tech. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Carolina State and Pittsburgh here in the next slide if we can because um, – and also, we'll add Syracuse to this mix. I, Duke, NC State, and Virginia for the Tar Heels. Clemson, Duke, Carolina for the Wolfpack, Mark. Um, so we do get the NC State-Duke scenario that folks had talked about so much in kind of our ramp up to this. Uh, I think if you're NC State, hey, you're cool with that, and you want to play Carolina, Clemson's that textile bowl. You can't get rid of the infamous textile bowl. And uh, Duke's a game that should have been played year in, year out, and it wasn't. So, um, you know, the fact that North Carolina, I think, to be honest with you, of that group on the screen, I think North Carolina catches the biggest break. And why I say that is because mm-hmm. there is no Miami, and I expect the Canes to be good in the quote-unquote short term with Mario and moving forward. And there's no Virginia Tech. Uh, so I think if you're North Carolina, you say, thank you very much. We'll take that and run to the bank with Duke State in Virginia. And I get in the granted, I know North Carolina's had very little success in Charlottesville. That's a game we want to see played. And everybody's going to see everybody, like I said, over a span of four years. Nobody ducks anybody here. But the fact that North Carolina right. will not have to deal with Miami or Virginia Tech on an annual basis, to me, if you're a North Carolina fan, you caught a break. Yeah. Uh, Syracuse and Pitt both keep a real Big East flavor to their schedule here. Uh, If you were to take, you know, obviously they're going to play each other. um, But I also see the Boston College, kind of that corridor we talked about when we were discussing this in the early part of May after Amelia Island. How much flavor of those Northeast battles would they keep? And I thought they kept quite a bit of it, Mark. They should have because those are games people want to see. Those are games people grew up with. And I don't have a problem with any of that, to be honest with you. Everything on the screen, it is what it is. Other than, like I said, if you're North Carolina, I think you're smiling and say, thank you. We'll move on and we'll go play everybody and down the road you go. But the whole Pitt-Syracuse-BC combination, all that works. Yeah, no question. Uh, Let's get to the last one here. Virginia, Virginia Tech, you knew they were going to play. And then Wake Forest, I thought this was really, really interesting for the Deacons, Mark, with Duke, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech. No Carolina and no NC State for uh, for the Demon Deacons. So what what was interesting about that? You thought there there would be a heavy influence of Big Four with that? Is that that where you're going? No, no. I thought thought one of the other two, where Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech are, might be either – I wasn't sure they were going to play Duke, but I thought they might play a combination of two of the three. But to get Georgia Tech – and Virginia Tech, as you know, is relatively close. Uh, And I like the Georgia Tech-Wake Forest matchup. I, I think that's a good one to have. Um, I like the way Virginia Techs fell out, too, from that standpoint with Virginia, Wake Forest, and Pittsburgh as well. Well, the only thing I'll say about Virginia Tech, and and we'll throw this on Hokie Nation, uh, are you going to miss Miami every year? I I think you are. I think you are. Like I said, that was the only game Mm -hmm. when you go through all of that stuff. Hey, would you like to see Clemson and Miami every year? Sure you would. But you figured you weren't going to get that. But I did think we'd get Miami – in Virginia Tech every year. But again, it, it, putting this schedule together, it is not easy. Uh, and, and the fact no. that we're, the debate that you and I are having, uh, multiply that with really smart people times uh, seven because you got 14 people in the room discussing <laughs> who they ought to be playing. And you can imagine what the combinations and the discussions are like. So it's a hard task. 
But in the end, I yep. think this is a good thing for fans and players, coaches, and television partners. I, I like everything about it. Yeah, let's uh, let's give credit. Coach, uh, of course, the commissioner of the ACC, Jim Phillips, did, I think, a marvelous job of bringing this model and concept to the table uh, really in the early days of his administration when he said he was going to look at all the different scheduling structures, not just in football, but in all sports. And uh, Associate Commissioner Michael Strickland, of course, for football uh, and the coaches and ADs themselves uh, kind of working through this model process. I think Dan Radakovich told us 60-some models they started with PAC and came down to, what, about three, I guess. And this is the one they're going to go with from 22 or 23 rather to 26. So congratulations and looking forward to seeing how this plays out. And we will uh, salute the divisions here as we uh, go out the door in 22. You know, I'm going to go back to uh, our interview with Dabo Sweeney and Amelia Allen. And I I think his (laughs) attitude is how you have to accept it. And Dabo, if you remember our interview with him, basically said, I don't care who we play. Let's just go play them. And and so I I think you almost have to take that mentality that, hey, in a perfect world, if you had this scheduling magic wand and you want to go poof. All right. That's great. But nobody's got that magic wand. So, hey, you go play who's on your schedule. And if you're good enough, you'll take care of business. And if you're not, I suggest you go back to the recruiting uh, and get some better players. So at the end of the day. You roll it out there, let's go play. And like I said, we're inside 60 days from kicking off the college football season. And it's quite frankly, it cannot get here fast enough. Yep, yep. A lot of uh, a lot of exciting momentum moving forward. So that's an early take on the schedule. We'll get to your phone calls coming up at 8 o'clock. 844-SAY-ACCN. You want to hit us on the social media, you can do that too. Tag Pack and I or uh, hashtag Packer and Durham. When we come back, the national champion countdown parade on this uh, edition of Packer and Durham begins with Mike Noonan. The Clemson men's soccer coach celebrated a national title earlier this year. We're looking forward to our visit with him when we continue on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. begins the first title since 1987 one of the blue blood programs is back at top of the heap of men's college soccer we are champions (laughs) we are champions clemson nation's got another star Hmm. it is the first of seven interviews today with atlantic coast conference national champions whether it be coach player whatever the case may be as i said the acc and the big 12 tied at the very top at the end of the 21-22 sports calendar year with seven team national championships and with that said mike noonan from clemson joins us the men's soccer title there he is rocking and rolling all right, Coach, uh, you're on top of the heap. And I always hear nobody defends anything. We're going to go out there and try to win another one for the upcoming seasons. How does that feel? <laughs> well, I, you know, it feels great, you know, sitting where we're sitting. But I'm just excited about the new group we have coming in and, and excited to get going. I'm probably as excited as I've been since last year heading into this time. So mm. every year is a new group. And, uh, you know, we're not we're not defending. We're not attacking that uh we're pursuing greatness with a new group and you know how we go about doing that is going to be really really fun mike when you knock off one two four and nine on the way to a national title though that's got to be pretty special right 
Well, you know, again, I've, I've said this for a long time throughout my career. It's not, um, you know, who you play. It's where you play. And what I was most proud of, and one of the most difficult things in sport to do, is that we flew across country to Oregon State, won the game or, you know, advanced in penalties, and then flew back and were prepared to play a really good Notre Dame team the following Friday. So, I mean, it's one, two, four, and nine, but the difficulty of being able to cr- go across country and the resiliency of the team, hmm. uh, that, that, really, that really spoke to what that team was about. It's also a testament, I think, too, to ACC soccer, uh, which we bragged about all year long on both the men's and women's side. Did you get tested every week? I mean, you just there are no cream puffs, man. So all of a sudden you get to that tournament, that pressure. uh, And you mentioned seeing a team like Notre Dame. And, you know, the ACC tournament in some respects was probably as difficult to win as it was the NCAA championship to a degree, right? I mean, that pressure, though, that you just kind of get used to, hey, this is what you signed up for. This is why you come to Clemson. This is why you come to another another ACC school because the quality is so good that when you get to the moment, the moment's never too big. There's no question. And that's that's we've got great teams in the ACC, top to bottom. Uh, it is the most competitive conference uh, in the country, and it's where players want to play. And, uh, you know, mm. at Clemson, we have, you know, great – Facilities, great, you know, things surrounding our team that, you know, the players are going to get better. And the way you get better is by having great competition. And the ACC, there's no better competition in the country than the ACC. So when you measure kind of all of this after winning the title last year and you get ready for 23, what's been what's been the the most impactful thing you've learned or remembered from last year you think will help you this year? Well, the most impactful thing is that the, the team was so player-led last year and the leadership was so good. Mm. And we've got a lot of returning players coming back and experienced players coming back. Alvaro Gomez, Isaiah Reed, who you just showed, uh, Hamidi Diop, Usmani right. Silva, all ACC performers. But they're in different roles now. Right. Because now they have to lead the team. You know, George and Oscar and James Bright and those guys have, have moved on. So that's the exciting part about this year is, is seeing these guys now take on the mantle of leadership and, you know, nurture, teach growth, maturity to our incoming class and to the younger players who didn't get an opportunity to play, who are going to have to step up and play this year. I mean, that's that's exciting for a coach. That's exciting for, you know, our captains, our leaders. Uh, that are moving into those roles uh, now that they've opened up by the guys who have graduated and moved on to great things. Coach, from a recruiting perspective, winning a national title, when do you really feel the effects of winning it? Is it immediate or is it kind of a trickle-down effect that, hey, maybe it's the year after? I'm always kind of curious how that works with teams. I think sports are all different. So how does it work for soccer? You know, to be honest with you, it's, it's what we call a new normal. Right. We go about our job recruiting because Clemson is Clemson. And what Clemson is, is is been a, a you know a very attractive uh, program for a number of years. Uh, they're a little bit more popularity. There's a little bit more notoriety in terms of the number of you know contacts we get. But my staff, uh, Phil Jones, our recruiting coordinator, does a fantastic job in 
filtering the players that we need to see uh, all over the world. And uh, I think we've done a great job of, of doing that again this year. We've got a great class coming in and we're well on our way to a great class for next year. That's the, that's the tricky part, right? Continuing the layering process year to year in this thing, Coach? Yeah, there's no question. And that's why I said we're, we're pursuing greatness, uh, not pursuing another national championship or ACC championship. We want to be the best that we can possibly be with the group that we have year in and year out. And that consistency mm-hmm. really is the, the, the tail of the tape. And we've been pretty consistent since about 2015 uh, here at Clemson and, you know, competing for uh, titles at the conference level and at the national level. Coach, we're coming up on the uh, one-year anniversary of name, image, and likeness. How's that impact been on the sport of men's soccer? I think it's uh, – well, I don't know. It, it hasn't had as dramatic an impact yet, but I th- it has had an impact, and I think it's fantastic for our sport and any equivalency sport, right? Because we only have 9.9 scholarships. We've got 31 players on our team. Yeah. So – in order to get the players and the, uh, and the student athletes resources, it, it's uh, it's a huge advantage. It's a huge opportunity, and that's the way we're looking at it uh, in our program. Hey, Mike, I want to ask you this, and, and we've seen this on the female side on women's sports. I know with field hockey and lacrosse, especially, it's been more NIL via equipment, via you know stuff that goes in line with the sport. Has that carried over to soccer in your mind from the equipment standpoint, endorsements or NIL as it relates to things that impact directly their performance on the field type deal? To be honest with you, it has somewhat, but I, you know, there's also been some financial uh, help given to our players with collectives and those types of things. And, and that's, you know, we haven't really because of the state law down here in South Carolina as a, Coaching staff, we're really not allowed to be involved that much, but we hear things, uh, and and we know that some of our players have uh, have benefited and benefited from the fact that we are national champions as well. Hey, by the way, speaking of financials, uh, now that we got the natty in the back pocket, uh, Graham Neff's on the speed phone. Oh, we get any additional perks? We get any uh, getting new stuff coming your way because you got some hardware there? What you tell me? Well, Graham Nuss has been fantastic. And, I, you know, the leadership of the university from Jim Clemens on down and, you know, Dan was fantastic. And now now Graham is, uh, you know, there's just a really good vibe at Clemson right now and a really good vibe to to Graham and his leadership. And our job as coaches and head coaches is to make Graham successful. And, you know, he was one day on the job and we won a national championship for him. But, you know, <laughs> I, I remind him. I remind him of that frequently, uh, but the, uh, but yeah, no. Right after, right after we won, uh, Kyle Young, our sports supervisor, who's been our sports supervisor for since I got here in 2010, does a great job. And Graham, you know, we sat down, and there are some things that that we felt that needed to be enhanced in our program, and there's a plan in place to do that, including uh, you know we're doing a feasibility study right now on renovating Riggs Field. Because the last Riggs was built in oh, 1984 wow. after the national championship, and it's time for a 21st century facelift. Well, let me tell you something. I was at Clemson during that time, and uh, you know, mm. I am Ibrahim had some great teams, man. And I, I can't tell you, I used to live about 25 feet from that place, and we'd come staggering out there in the golf team, go watch you guys play. Uh, and it is time to renovate that place. But I mean, your crowd, the fan support, the crowds there. 
you know, it doesn't take much for Clemson fans to go, hey, we got something brewing here. Let's go watch it. And I know that you really, really love the fan support this past season in particular. No question. And Historic Roots Field is still, I think, one of the top three places in the country to play college soccer. And, you know, getting that renovated is going to be a, a, a big, big plus for us because the fans deserve to have chairbacks. The fans deserve because they keep coming out yeah. and they are. I mean, you saw the crowd in Cary. I mean, yes, we were lucky because we we're yeah. pretty close and we're drivable. But the place was all orange both nights. And, yeah. you know, our fan support, and I've said this since we've won the national championship, there's no place better to win a national championship in any sport than Clemson, South Carolina. Yeah. All right. Mike Noonan, congratulations. Looking forward to the fall. All the best. Thanks, guys. Go Tigers. Uh, you bet. Coach of Clemson's national championship in men's soccer. Mike Noonan, always uh, been very kind with his time. We'll continue this parade when we come back off to Charlottesville. One of the sneaky, successful programs in the ACC this year won a national title in men's tennis. Andres Pedroso and the University of Virginia capturing the crown. We will come back and we will check on the grounds at Charlottesville about a program that is truly international. He's got players all over the world this summer. We'll talk about that and the success of the program next on Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham, national championship kind of day on the program. Many thanks to Mike Noonan who just joined us talking a little Clemson soccer. The men take care of business when the natty earlier. And now we're switching gears and heading up to beautiful Charlottesville, Virginia. West Durham. You want to talk to Andres Pedroso about your, uh, your your real estate looks and options up there in the Charlottesville area? I am uh, making a you trip. To, I am going to make a trip to Charlottesville uh, in July. I'm going to go uh, comb the countryside a little Ooh. bit and uh, see what's going on up there. And uh, it's a beautiful part of the world. Mm-hmm. I know that much. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the grounds. I mean, we're going to the grounds at the University of Virginia. And there is the national championship coach of Virginia's men's tennis program, Andres Pedroso. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, wait a second. We know you're on the grounds because there are people walking into academic buildings even in late June, so they're still grinding in Charlottesville, it looks like, behind you. Yeah, that's what we do here. We never stop. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what your tennis team did, too, Coach. I mean, you know, you you get off to a little bit of a sluggish start, and then, man, when you caught fire, you took it all the way to the end and closed the deal. What made this run so special? I think the way we started out, I think, you know, the beginning of February was was a tough time for us, losing five in a row to top five teams. Most of them were... You know wars but the first one was a beatdown against ohio state and after that match we had some real honest conversations with each other and i think we grew a lot from those five losses and i think we got better with each of those losses and it set a standard for the team to uphold for the rest of the season and i just felt like that standard got better and better and by the time we got to the end we were kind of programmed in a way to have a real chance at, at winning it all well, if, if everybody could be told they're going to start 5-5 five and five and win their last 23 to win a national championship, I think most coaches would sign up for a 500 start in their first 10 matches, wouldn't they? 
I think I think so. I mean, we we uh, we scheduled pretty very tough this year because I felt like last year in the round of 16 we weren't totally ready for the Trojans and we got a rude awakening in that match and so when that season ended our associate head coach Scott Brown and I decided you know what we're gonna schedule really tough the next year and give these guys some real experience against the best teams early on so that they know where they're at and it worked out so these guys were willing to grow willing to evolve and they were very coachable and I'm really proud of them for that because they took they could have taken a lot of things personally and they could have given up and they could have said this is too hard. But I had their permission to to take them all the way and 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 help them get ready for for moments like we had in Champaign. Coach, there's always a, a point in time in the season, uh, whether you win a national championship, a conference championship, or get over 500, whatever the, the success level happens to be. In your particular case, going on that running, winning the national title, was there a moment in this season where you went, hey, you know what? We really are going to be pretty good. Or was it what you just described, the five straight losses and kind of a come-to-Jesus moment for everybody and said, hey, listen, we're better than this. But at what point in time did you get a sense that, hey, you know what, we got something special here? I'll be honest with you. It wasn't until the quarterfinals of the NCAAs when we hmm. beat Florida. Hmm. Uh, it was a work in progress throughout the entire season. And I think that humility and, and that sense of, hey, this is still a really young group. I think that helped us because it forced it to, forced us to keep growing and keep having honest conversations and and keep holding each other accountable. But when we when we beat the Gators, which was our main focus through the first two weeks of May prior to us arriving to Champaign, that's when I said, all right, you know, these guys believe these guys, these guys are mature enough and they're confident enough to handle those moments. I think we've got a real shot at this. Andres, I know your roster is worldwide, and uh, and that's how you win national championships. Not only the top players in the United States, but you do such a marvelous job all over the world. But this time of year, it can be like uh, herding cats, as they say, right? I mean, you got guys spread out literally worldwide trying to play this summer. What's that like yep. keeping tabs on them? And how much do you have to then kind of build that team concept back into an individual sport when they return to campus? These guys stay in really good touch throughout the summer. Uh, yeah, they're, they're all mostly playing tournaments. We've got a couple guys with some internships and, and trying to gain some experience for once tennis is over. But it's a really close group. Uh, we we preach that from the beginning that what this is about is the relationships that you build with your teammates. The success of this program is judged based on whether guys are going to their weddings and how close a touch they're staying in. They're, how, how much they're talking when they graduate and how how many times they're coming back to UVA and how many times they're getting together with their families. And so that's kind of ingrained in them from the beginning, and that's more important than national championships and i think if you build that kind of a culture and you're lucky enough to have the talent that that we've had in this program for a long time you're going to have chances to do something really special and and luckily we have an amazing place to sell charlottesville's beautiful academically uva is right up there with the best and we have great facilities and we have a winning tradition here. So when I recruit kids all over the world, I tell them, if you want to play college tennis, 
and you want to play in the biggest moments of college tennis and be around players that want to use it as a stepping stone to, to play pro tennis, this is probably the best place for you. And so it's, I'm lucky to be at an amazing place with a lot of resources, a lot of support. And, and there are no excuses at UVA when it comes to tennis or, you know, most of our sports. So uh, I, think, I think that's why you, you see us have a global net out there in terms of recruits and why kids all over the world are attracted to, to the University of Virginia. By the way, uh, have you touched base with Carla Williams and Tony Bennett to see if there's an extra seat or two uh, to go over to Italy in August when the uh, basketball team goes? You know, I, I just got back from a couple of weeks. I swear to God, all those kids are playing tennis, Coach. You may find somebody over there. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be an amazing trip for our basketball team. I mean, we've got a lot of Europeans on the team, so I don't know if going to Italy would be as special as it would be for for a bunch of Americans, but... These guys are traveling all over the world as it is. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's an amazing experience. And uh, hopefully we can do something like that ourselves. Well, I know you just had Anaki Montez win an event in Spain. So congratulations to him on continuing. Uh, I mean, again, this offseason in tennis, the sport never stops. But uh, you got guys having individual success on, in addition to the great team success your club had this summer. Absolutely. These guys love the game. I mean, that's that's something that I would say about this team and why they're so fun to coach is they're always watching tennis. They're always reading about tennis. You know, they're sending me articles, videos. They're watching interviews. I mean, they're watching live scores. Uh, we're in the airport and they're all huddled up watching matches. Uh, when, the, when the Grand Slams are playing, these guys are locked in. And so they just love it. And so if you have a team that loves tennis, that's a pretty good sign that they're going to keep getting better and they're going to keep searching for answers. Mm. And it's, it, it's a lot of fun coaching guys like that. And that's become a really important characteristic that I look for in prospects is how much do they love the game? How much are they doing on their own without their coaches telling them to do it? And that's just a sign of, of players that, that want to be great. You're right about that. I just uh, asked this question to Mike Noonan, the uh, soccer coach at Clemson on the men's side, about NIL. We're coming up on that one-year anniversary. Have you seen an impact NIL on, on men's or women's tennis? Not specifically on our teams, to be honest. Some guys have done a little bit of it, but it hasn't been a tremendous amount. I hear at other tennis programs it's a lot, it's a lot larger of a factor. Uh, the university's done a great job of setting us up for success. If players on our team, on our tennis teams, want to take advantage of that opportunity and 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 make some money uh, in that way, so I think the University of Virginia is, you know, preparing us for for the future when it comes to NIL. So, you know, we're ready for 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 that situation when when we get a player on our team that's that's ready and and willing to take full advantage of that, but. Um, as of right now, it hasn't been hasn't been something that's been, uh, you know, a big factor in our program. All right. Andres, thank you. Great to be with you. Congratulations again. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Andres Pedroso, the uh, head men's tennis coach at uh, at, Clem at the Virginia, rather, who did a phenomenal job. In fact, they've got an incredible facility. It's at the Boarshead Resort. It's unbelievable. Uh, and he recruits, I mean, we jokingly say worldwide. It's a worldwide roster at the University of Virginia. And uh, and you know, holy cow, you get, you get a little bit of success. You can roll that one pretty hard up there. 
Well, I give Carla Williams a lot of credit, too, because uh, mm-hmm. men's tennis was one of two national championship teams at the University of Virginia. As I mentioned, the conference had seven as a whole. Virginia had two of them. And uh, we're going to touch base with every single one of them on today's show. It's kind of a national championship kind of day on Packer and Durham. Yep. When we come back, uh, more diving into details on this football schedule. You're going to hear from the commissioner from last night's special edition of The Huddle. Jim Phillips talks about how they came to this kind of conclusion with the 355 model and maybe a little bit of the dirt in the details. We'll do that with the commissioner next on Packer and Durham. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371 and streaming on the ESPN app. 